I wanted to follow up. Pastor Jen was supposed to speak this week, but her and I talked about it, and we felt like I should just wrap up the message from last week, and so she'll be sharing next week. Um, And this is a continuation, but it it will be also very different from last week. Um, The message this morning is called Reconciliation and the Cross. Reconciliation and the Cross. There's two things that happen in the ministry of Jesus. Number one is that we are reconciled to God. Through relationship, we are reconciled. That means that the gap that exists between God and humanity is erased in the cross. And that's exciting news for all of us. The second part, though, is that we also receive a ministry of reconciliation. So not only is the gap erased between God and us personally, but God then calls us to be ministers of reconciliation. And so that's what we want to look at today. First, the God-man was born. In John chapter 1, verse 14, turn with me if you have your Bibles or on your phones or on the screen. It's impossible to miss the Word of God this morning. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You have to remember in John 1.1, we read about in the beginning, the word of God was Jesus. Like he is the word. He is the word. Jesus is the word. What John 1.14 is saying is that the word of God that is spoken over creation, the creative power of the word of God, when God speaks and things happen, that word is now embodied in a human being. And we call Jesus the God-man because he's God, the word, embodied in human form. So he is the God-man. He's fully God, he's fully man. When Jesus was made flesh, when he arrived on the scene, and he was born as a baby, God was born. God was revealed. And not only was God revealed, but John goes on to say, and in this we have seen his glory, that is God's radiance. We have seen his grace, and we have seen truth. See, before Jesus was born, God would release his glory, In the Old Testament, it's called the kabod, or the glory of God, that's his presence. And he would reveal his grace through the law and through prophets. And he would reveal his truth through prophets. And when Jesus was born, it's these things that were once hidden, or once at a distance, or once separated from the people, when Jesus is born, his glory is revealed, his grace is revealed, and his truth is revealed. His glory takes on flesh and human form. His grace takes on 
human form. His truth takes on human form. This is the first step of reconciliation. Because Jesus didn't just come to reveal God. He came to reconcile man to God. Reconciliation always begins with one person going to another. In our own relationships, when there's brokenness in family or in friendship or coworkers or our neighbor whose dog pees on our lawn, <laughs> reconciliation always requires that one party goes to another. One party moves toward the other. And God made the first move. God in Jesus made the first move by sending Jesus. Jesus was the second Adam. We looked at Adam last week in the Garden of Eden and we looked at the brokenness that Adam brought to humanity. And through Adam and Eve, we have the fall of man. And through the fall of man, we have separation. From God's sin creates separation. And what we have in Jesus is he is the second Adam. The second Adam born that would reverse the curse that sin put on us. When Jesus came to humanity, he erased separation. He erased disconnection. He erased shame and guilt. But not only does he erase that for anyone that would choose, he calls us to carry reconciliation as well. To go to that person that we need to forgive. To reconcile. God reconciles humanity to himself. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, and this, this verse is almost too much to handle. He says, the Son, who is Jesus, who is the Word that became flesh, Paul says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. In other words, in Jesus is God. And so what we have is we have this moment where Jesus steps through a veil. You see, the, the people almost looked, looked, looked at God through this veil, through prophets, through people that God had sent, through the Moses and the Jeremiah and the Ezekiel and the Isaiah. And the people would be looking at God through almost this veil. And then in Jesus Christ, what was invisible, what was behind this veil, has now been made known. And in Jesus is all of God, is all of who God is, is his character, is his nature. And not only that, not only is God revealed in Jesus Christ, I, I know this is basic for a lot of you, but not only is God revealed in Jesus Christ, but Jesus now becomes the firstborn of a new creation. 
Like you are a new creation. And so you who once felt hidden, when you come to know Jesus, you are revealed as reborn, as a son and a daughter of the most high God. No longer are you hiding in shame as Adam and Eve were, but you're revealed. And what is revealed in you is that you are a son and a daughter of the most high God. So Jesus is the first. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the second Adam to write what the first Adam lost. This is the reversal of the curse of original sin. And Paul goes on to say in verse 20 of of Colossians 1, through him, who? Christ. Through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God made this first move toward humanity, and in Jesus and in him, everything is being reconciled. You cannot be too far from God anymore. You can't maintain the separation from God anymore. Those that come to believe in Jesus, immediately he is there reconciling you to the Father. So when Jesus came, he was born as one of us and dwelt among us. He built a bridge of reconciliation. When Jesus died on the cross, his blood made peace between God and humanity. You know why there's so much tension in Israel? Do you know why there's so much fighting in our own lives? Because of the lack of the cross. Areas of our life that we do not yield to the cross will be areas of disconnection, areas of pain, areas of guilt, areas of darkness. Areas of blindness, but wherever we introduce the truth of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ, the glory of Jesus Christ, when we invite God into those situations in our life, there is peace because where Jesus shows up, he makes peace. You can't make peace, you can't bridge. Without Jesus, you can't fill the void that exists within your heart on your own. It's impossible. Because it is by the blood of Jesus Christ that all things are made peaceful. Romans chapter 5, verse 18 and 19 Paul writes, just as one trespass or sin resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Just as through disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, 
the many will be made righteous. What is he saying here? There's a lot of power in one act. You see, the one act of Adam brought upon sin, not only upon Adam and Eve and their offspring, but that one act brought sin into the world, and we now are, unfortunately, descendants of Adam. We are born under a curse. We are born under sin. We are born under fallenness of creation. It's beautiful to have dedications this morning, but each one of these children needs to come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is in their own lives. Just like each one of us need to come to a saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is in our lives. I don't get into heaven because Sonia has a relationship with God. My kids don't go to heaven because I have a relationship with God. They need to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. The bad news is, is through the one act of Adam, we are all fallen. But the good news in Jesus Christ is his one act upon the cross erased all of that. In his blood shed, we are reconciled to God. The cross is a bridge that anyone that believes in Jesus has a clear pathway to salvation, eternal life. Amen. You are made righteous. You are made righteous. Paul calls this concept of being made righteous justification. Justification means that you're made innocent. Justification means that God removes all guilt and all shame from your life and you are made innocent. That means you cannot be accused. Augustine says this. He says, my heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. We are born restless. We are born looking for who we are and we're born looking for what our purpose is. And God answers that. He says, you are my child. And he says, you've been called to reconcile the world to God. Our purpose is that we are ministers of reconciliation. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 21. And I would love to have some water. Could you grab me that, hon? Thank you. 
There was a water bottle up here, but I didn't want to drink out of it because it wasn't mine. I was tempted, though. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, how many of you are in Christ? This is for you. The new creation has come. The new creation is the word metamorphosis. It's the, the best picture I can think of in nature is when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. What's the old he's referring to? The old he's referring to is the original curse of sin. He says the old is gone. Like you don't have to live in that life anymore. He says the new has come. What is the new that he's talking about? The new is through the veil in Christ. After the cross. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself. So again, the process of going from old to new, from being an old creation to a new creation, that process is you are now reconciled to God, justified to God, pure before God, holy before God, blameless before God, set free before God, healed before God. That's what I mean when I say reconciled. Sometimes we use big words, but we got to break it down into what actually happens. What actually happens is you receive eternal life, even though you deserve death. That's what I mean. That's what Paul means. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Now, that is, that is an unbelievable truth bomb. That's like a mic drop. But Paul says there is more. And this there is more is where I fall down all the time. This there is more is where we all need to do a better job. Because our communities aren't transformed. Because RCMP officers are giving their life when they shouldn't have to. Because there's brokenness in marriages. And there's kids that don't know Jesus, and there's people that don't know Jesus. And the world is dark, and the world is broken. And we are not to call, call to go into our prayer closet and forget that that world exists outside of that prayer closet. The prayer closet is supposed to be where you get charged. Where you get charged. But the community is where we're supposed to be ministering. Yeah. Reconciling. And Paul says this, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
all things created have a purpose. Our purpose, our purpose is to be ambassadors. Ambassadors for God. I'm a child of God and I'm an ambassador for God. We have not been given a ministry of accusation, condemnation, and rejection. Too many times I see the church just simply condemning, rejecting, and accusing. As Christians, we reject people that sin differently from us. Say it again. <laughs> this is not Christ-like. We reject people that sin differently from us. I do it, you do it. Do you know why I do it? I do it because it makes me feel better about myself. The Bible says, can we pull up verse, just the last section, preferably verse 19, 2 Corinthians 5, 19. God was reconciling the world to himself not counting people's sins against them. I'm an amazing accountant when it comes to sin. I could point them all out. And guess what I do is I, I keep records of these things. We're gonna get to barriers to reconciliation in a moment. I keep rec records of these things and I say, people that sin differently from me are wrong. And what I do when I do that is I operate in a ministry of accusation. And I, I minister in a, like with a ministry of condemnation. And the Bible says that God stopped counting. Why do I keep counting? We are ambassadors for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. In other words, if I'm an ambassador from Canada and I go to Israel, I'm sent by Canada with the authority of Canada, the power of Canada, the purpose of the government of Canada, if Prime Minister Trudeau sends me somewhere to another country, I carry within the title ambassador authority. But my authority is limited. My authority is limited to what Trudeau wants me to do and say. I don't just go out on my own. I'm sent with a purpose. Okay? We are sent with a purpose. We're ambassadors for Christ. That means how I do ministry 
should be exactly how Christ did ministry. I should study his life. I should know his life. I should read his life. What did he say? How did he minister? How did he reach out to people? How did he reconcile people to God? How many times did Jesus step into the public sphere, put a milk crate down, and point out everybody's sins? How many times? Zero. Why? His motive and purpose is deeper than that. He said, I have come that you might have life and more abundantly. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For God so loved the world, he sent his son that no one should die but have everlasting life. Pointing out sin is calling out death where death clearly exists all around you. It's like going to the cemetery and going, there's death here. Oh my goodness, I see death there, I see death there, I see death there, I see death there. Of course you see death, you're in a cemetery. The world's a cemetery. What's our role? Our role is to go where there's death and say, I see life. I call life out of you. Be reconciled to God. And as you're reconciled to God, he will give you life and life more abundantly. You've been sent. You've been anointed by God with a ministry of reconciliation, not a ministry of accusation. What happens when we operate in a ministry of reconciliation, people see God's glory. When we operate in a ministry of reconciliation, people see God's grace. When we operate in a ministry of reconciliation, they see his truth. They see his love. They see his presence. We are meant to be embodied little Jesuses. (laughs) Going out into the world, building bridges to the cross. There's only one judge, and you and I are not it. The world system has created a a legal system that confuses us. The legal system says when you break the law, it literally says you are now accused and punished. God says Jesus fulfilled the law Be reconciled to the Father. We live in a different kingdom. We're ambassadors for Christ. We have so much to be thankful for. Jesus, who who knew no sin, became sin.
Jesus, pure, innocent. Had no reason to be accused, even by the law's standards. He came and he took on my sin. He took on your sin. So that you might receive his righteousness. We have so much to be thankful for. There are a few barriers to reconciliation that I, I want to just touch on quickly because these exist in my own life and they exist in your life too. Barriers to reconciliation, offense, unforgiveness, and resentment. Unforgiveness, resentment, and offense. Offense, unforgiveness, and resentment create separation as protection. Offense, unforgiveness, and resentment create, naturally create separation because we feel that we need to protect ourselves. And in abusive situations, toxic situations, that is necessary. That's not what I'm talking about here. But what God says is you need to remove separation, make the first move, and go to these people that you need to be reconciled with. We cannot live in offense or unforgiveness or resentment. These three will never build a bridge. They always burn bridges. And they burn bridges for a lifetime. You'll always be justified in your mind why you shouldn't reconcile. And that justification of why you shouldn't reconcile with somebody will usually sound something like offense, something like unforgiveness, and something like resentment. These things create separation. But reconciliation builds bridges. A few nights ago, I was... I was sleeping, and which is a miracle in and of itself, I might add. And I was dreaming, which is another miracle, because you have to be sleeping to be dreaming. And in my dream, I was sitting down at a table with someone, and, and this someone I had some issues with in the past, and, and they had really hurt me about four years ago. And in this dream, I'm sitting at the table with this person, and, and, and they're talking, and they're actually explaining their, their perspective, their point of view. And I, I knew that I had to say something in this dream, but I didn't know what it was. But I kept feeling like I wanted to lean in and say something, but I didn't know what it was. Then all of a sudden, they stopped talking for a moment, but as they were talking, I had been developing this heart for this person. Like I felt kind of in my dream, in my heart, like I see now their point of view, like I, I could feel for them. My heart was beginning to change in my dream. 
but I'm waiting for them to stop so I can say this thing that I, I don't know I'm going to say until I say it. And, and what comes out of my mouth immediately is, I, I forgive you. And I woke up. And when I woke up, the weight was gone. It was completely gone. Like I literally forgave them in my sleep. The Lord has been showing me that he will restore things in our sleep that we are unable to process when we're awake. This has happened three times to me in the last year. God has shown me things. Joel, I will literally put you to sleep. I mean, just temporarily put you to sleep. Those that have pets are like, whoa, easy guy. But in my sleep, he's allowing me to see and to process. And the latest one was around forgiveness and reconciliation. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, Joel, did you go to the person and did you? No, I'm just not, I don't have enough courage to do that yet. But I will, because, see, what God has to do is he, he has to do it here before he does it here. If you don't have it here, don't go here. You go here before you go here, you get here. Okay, quickest way to lose some teeth is you go here with no here. So you say, God, I know you've called me to be a minister of reconciliation. Tear down the walls of offense, unforgiveness, resentment. Here. So when I approach this person, they feel it, right? That's what it's called to be ministers of reconciliation. I'll close with this from Matthew chapter 7 because how did Jesus do this? Verse 53 and following. People went home and Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. He would go to the Mount of Olives to pray, to connect with the Father. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Why? Because the Pharisees operate in a ministry of accusation. That's what the law does. It accuses and punishes. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. 
At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Why was Jesus the only one left? He's the only one left because he's the only one that can condemn her. Why can he condemn her? Because he's the only one without sin. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. There's lots of things people often focus on. But there's something that happened in the very beginning that I want to focus on. When Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, he connected to the Father. He connected to the Father's heart. Jesus filled up his cup with the Father's compassion and the Father's love and the Father's peace. And out of the prayer closet, Jesus went to the temple and this woman is brought who deserved to be stoned by legal standards. And Jesus says, I don't condemn you. I think in our life, when it comes to reconciliation, we need to spend more time with Jesus. We need to capture the Father's heart, and we need to be moved by the Spirit, not our spirit. Offense, resentment, unforgiveness usually settles in when I'm operating out of my own spirit, my political leanings, what disgusts me, what I don't like, what I feel, what I think. God never called us to a ministry of feeling and thinking and rationalizing and being political. Jesus wasn't political at all, yet somehow we've divided Christianity over politics. It's pathetic. It actually is pathetic because it get, it's gotten us off the heart simply to the hand. We're meant to be inner beings of love and grace and truth carrying the glory of God to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have called us to this ministry to be reconcilers, to allow the cross to affect us, to allow your love to shine through us, Lord. And I thank you that you have called us to be ambassadors for you. Show us now, Lord, people in our life that we need to reconcile with. Do it on the inside first, Lord. Help us to process with you, Father. Capture your heart, capture your compassion, capture your love, Lord. And I pray now, Lord, as we worship, as we make a joyful sound to you, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be joyful ambassadors, Lord, peaceful ambassadors, ambassadors full of love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.